So we are very excited today to welcome Pastor Dan Thompson. Pastor, would you come up, please? Pastor, Pastor Dan comes highly recommended from the co um, conference. Northwest Conference. Yeah, the Northwest Conference. And he came and met with the council, and the council unanimously voted to invite him to serve as our interim pastor while our search committee is searching for a new permanent pastor. So what I'd like to do today is ask the council, any council members that are here today to come up and uh, pray with us for Dan and everybody else pray from the pews. Put your hands out if you would, would like to. So do we have some council members here today? Maybe you want to yep. step down and then mm -hmm. they don't have to climb up. Yep, sure. Giant step. Sounds like a good idea. Father, we thank you for today, and we thank you for Dan. We thank you. We pray that you'll be with him as he starts his journey here with us. We know we're, we're going to be in good hands. We just thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord, for bringing Pastor Dan to us, and Lord, just bless his, his journey with us. Today we thank you uh, that we have Pastor Dan here today. We just know that he's blessed a lot of churches with his talent to go and help churches through this transition, searching for a new pastor. We ask him to guide him in his travels as he goes back and forth between the cities where he lives and bless him in his uh, thoughts and prayers as he comes to us and gives us a message today. And we just thank you for all you give us. Father, we thank you for your providence and how you work. And so we thank you for bringing Dan to us, and we ask that you would speak through him to us as we have him here for this time. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Dear Father in heaven, uh, many, many blessings have come our way, and this is just another one in our journey. Uh, leading us to our next step in a phase of Bethel Covenant Church. We just uh, thank you so much for your guidance in bringing this uh, man to us, and hopefully we will be guided in our next venture for a new pastor. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much, Lord, for bringing Pastor Dan here. We thank you, Lord, for his experience and his wisdom, and we ask you, Lord, to, to guide him as he leads us, and guide us, Lord, to be open to what he has to help us learn and help us become better disciples and continue to love God and love others and make disciples. And this we all ask in your precious name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Council. So, Pastor Dan, with that, I'm going to turn the mic over to you. Yeah, I got it. Oh, you got that one. Okay. So just uh, maybe a few things about me. Uh, I grew up in the Twin Cities. And I uh, grew up in uh, kind of northeast of the Minneapolis area and uh, grew up in the Covenant Church and uh, came to know the Lord at a young age. I know sometimes people think, well, you can't come to know Jesus at four years old, but I just knew that I needed a Savior, that I sinned, I, I messed up. Not that I knew everything about it, but I put my faith and trust in Jesus at a very young age and have walked with him imperfectly as, as, as the journey goes, but have walked with him since that time and have the privilege of, of knowing, loving, and serving him. And I kind of 
middle, uh, middle school age, guys, Lord, I don't know what you want me to do in life, but I'll do what you want me to do. Just, just make it plain and clear to me. And didn't have any real sense of direction specifically. I had some you know, abilities in math and science, so I, I got a degree in mechanical engineering at the University of Minnesota. And I uh, met my wife at church, and uh, we got married after I graduated and began a career in consulting engineering and, and so forth, design HVA system, heating, cooling, ventilation systems. But I worked for a company for, for six months, and they had a real problem. And since I was the uh, last one hired, I was the first one let go. And so it was winter, uh, and praying and, and reading the scriptures, saying, Lord, you know, what, what do you have for me? You know, where, where do you want me to go with all this? And the Lord spoke to me out of 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. And in it, it says, No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs, for he wants to please his commanding officer. And verse 7 says, Meditate at this, and I will give you insight. And it was, I could hear God speaking to me. He said, Dan, I want you in full-time Christian ministry. It's like, whoa, okay. So I, I shared that with my wife. She said, oh, I knew this was going to happen. And then two weeks later, I got, a pa- I got a letter from a former pastor who said, does God want Dan in ministry inviting me com- to come down to seminary and check out the seminary? So after my wife graduated from college a couple years later, I worked as an engineer for three years. Uh, we went down to Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, the Evangelical Free Church Seminary, and, and uh, got a master's divinity degree there. And then I've been back in the Twin Cities, you know, kind of greater North Conference area since that time, serving the Lord. Uh, Served in a number of churches, one in Minneapolis, First Covenant in Minneapolis for 14 years. A wonderful time in ministry, but at the end, I just had a sense the Lord was saying it was time to go. And I didn't want to go, but it was clear that it says time to go. And I didn't know what he had next, but what the Lord opened up is a transitional ministry. In other words, intentional intro. For 16 years, I've been involved with. And uh, this is the 12th church I've helped in transition all over uh, the Northwest Conference, some in the cities and a lot outstate. And this is the first one in Wisconsin. So it's kind of fun to add to the cross the river there and add to the resume. But I'm really excited to be here and to help you in your journey as you transition from Pastor Todd. And I've enjoyed getting to know Pastor Todd because. As you know, he's become the pastor at Rochester Covenant Church, and that's where I served previously. So it's the first time where I've kind of flipped with somebody. So it's been kind of interesting, Todd. I've had a couple conversations and help each other out in, in transition. So I'm excited to be here. And it's, it's been really interesting to see how the Lord's used some of the skills and abilities to help churches in this time of Because in transition, it can be uncertain. You can have, some churches have good experiences like you had with Pastor Todd, some churches not so good transitions with their previous pastors and how it ended. And, and, but either way, to help the church just kind of navigate that trans, transition, help them if there's things that would improve the foundation for the next pastor to come, because my role is to help you as a church, obviously to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, but then as a church-wide to be in a position where the next pastor can be successful in the ministry here. That's my role. And so I'm excited to be here and to be part of the Bethel journey for a season in ministry. And you know, we'll get uh, my f- email and cell phone number to you, so feel free to call or, or email me as you 
have pastoral needs or concerns or questions, comments, or insights, feel free to connect. I'll, I'll plan to be here Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Those are the typical days I think I'm going to be here at church and in the office and other times as, as potentially needed. But I can always be reached, cell phone or, or email. So it's one of the advantages we have in our current things. We can be connected and do ministry even if we're not next to each other. As we've all learned in this. Married, my wife Debbie, we've been married for one years this year. One son who's married to in, uh, in the Twin City and uh, kids yet. They've been married just a couple of years. And kind of, uh, my wife loves dogs. Specifically, we've had Rhodesian Ridgebacks, six of them over the last 20 plus years. And if you don't know, I have a in the office of a couple of the, the, the dogs we've had, but they're, uh, they're dogs that were bred in South Africa, Rhodesia area to, to hunt lions. And they, you know, because what would happen, the lions would come into the villages and they would take cattle, chickens, sometimes even kids. And if, if lions, they find, if lions find a source of food, they'll come back. So they had to chase them down. They sent out these dogs in packs to hold the lions of bait so the hunters would get there and kill the lions. And so one of the good things about it, since we've got Rhodesian Ridgebacks, we've had no lion problems in our neighborhood. <laughs> so that's one of the cool things about it. So I, I enjoy and making a passion. It's fun and good exercise. Uh, I, I'm really glad to be here. And with that, uh, I would ask one thing. As I've met uh, many of you this morning, if you'd give me the grace, it's going to take me a while to memorize everyone's name. I will work at it, but it takes time. I wish I was one of those persons who saw you once and I, I'd have it locked in, but that's not the way it is with me. It's got to meet you a couple times, but eventually I'll get there. So if I... Uh, have to ask you a couple times, please uh, extend me a little grace on that. I'd appreciate that. Now, I'll keep working at it. So, uh, for the offering, for the offering, you know, here at Bethel Covenant Church, there's different ways we can give. We can give, we can give online. We can give by mailing a check in. If you have, there's a box to contribute there, many different ways to support the ministry of Bethel Covenant. And I found already that the online giving is a great way to do it. If, if you like that, I've already given online convenient you to be part okay. there's some interference so okay. try this one. We'll try that doesn't work though. we'll try this okay how's that that sounds better okay sorry about that technological problems they exist at every church <laughs> so don't uh, it's just the reality of churching churches and in, in that so we're looking at uh, 2 Timothy, chapter 1 we're looking at today. And 2 Timothy is Paul's letter to Timothy, talking about the gospel and going on with the gospel. That it's important that he, as a younger person, goes on with the good news of Jesus Christ, goes on with the gospel message. Because the gospel which Christ established and was given to the apostles is continue on in the various generations. And two, the, so that it could come down to us. We are recipients of this good news that Paul transferred to Timothy, that Timothy kept transferring on and on and on in every generation. And as we do this, we receive the good news. And as we look at chapter 1 today, everyone know what an ATM is? Patrick's going to put up a, a picture on that ATM. Who knows what an ATM means? Automatic teller machine, right? 
Yeah, exactly. So if you, you know, if it's a Friday or Saturday, you 20 bucks, where do you go? You can go to the ATM and, and get out cash, right? Because it's a place where you can hold your money. Like, we all know that putting the money in the mattress isn't the best idea. You know, you could do it, and there's probably some people in our world that still do it, but not typically the best way to put your money. So, you know, we put in banks for safeguarding and safekeeping, and so we put in an ATM like this, and it's, they've become so easy that even dogs can do it. So, if we get that up there. You know, what, what we're working on is, uh, there we go, all right. Even dogs can do it, it's so easy. But, you know, ATMs are almost becoming phased out now. They still exist, but with mobile banks and with uh, Zelle and different ways, Venmo and that, you can pay online. It, who knows how long, much longer uh, paper money will be around. But anyway, it's still here and now. But the idea of an ATM, a bank, deposit, I think is a good analogy for us today as we look at this first chapter in 2 Timothy. Because Paul here is at the end of his life. He's an aging leader. And he's not going to be here on this world for much longer. And as he is, he wants Timothy, who's younger, who's weaker, more timid son in the faith. And as he would complete his journey, for Timothy to be part of the next generation that would go forward with the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ. Paul, over 30 years, faithfully served the gospel, serve Jesus Christ, proclaiming it, living it, preaching it, suffering for it. But what would ha happen? Here's Christ and died in the apostles. What happens when Paul and the apostles die? Will the church go forward? Will the message of Christ remain? Will this good news continue on from generation to generation? That hadn't been seen yet. And Paul's trying to establish the, the younger people in the faith so that they would continue on in it. And so that what would happen? that the gospel would go forward. Wow. Anyway, as, as Paul speaks to Timothy, so he's also speaking to us as well. Because consider the importance of going on with the gospel. That it continues on so that not, it doesn't end with us. It goes on to the next generation, those who come after us. And in this day it, as well, not just here but all around the world, and there's many challenges to the gospel. There's challenges of, of people, of philosophies, of experiences, of different approaches. Or people want to downplay the message of Christ because, well, it may be uncomfortable. Maybe not what people want to hear. But if it's true and if it's good news, it's important for us to continue forward with that message. The gospel must remain pure, anchored to Jesus Christ. Because through it, we find redemption, we find salvation, we find reconciliation with God, and we find life today and in the future. The gospel means good news. And I want us to say this, because this is important for us as we go through 2 Timothy. The gospel, and you heard the word message, gospel, that literally means, in the original language, is good news. So I'm going to say gospel, and you say good news, okay? Gospel. Gospel. Excellent. You guys are smart. I like that. Well done. The gospel is the good news of Jesus and all that he's done for us. Jesus who changes and transforms us, who takes away our hopelessness, meaninglessness, and our death and gives us life, significance, hope, and meaning. And this gospel we receive, we're to keep, watch, protect, 
Guard it because it is the good news for us. And it's the good news for the world, not just today, but forever. So it is, we could say, our supreme deposit. The gospel is our supreme deposit. In verses 1 through 12 of, of this chapter, Paul kind of gives a summary. Paul was an apostle who was chosen as an eyewitness of Jesus Christ. And by the will of God, who has, Paul has lived and faithfully served him. And Paul prays for Timothy as their part that Timothy would go on. And remembers Timothy's tears, longing to be with him as his son in the faith. We can hear the passion of Paul in this. We can hear the passion of Paul for Timothy and for the gospel message. The gospel has clearly taken hold of Paul's life. And for Timothy, his sincere faith. That was passed on to him from his grandmother to his mother and to him. Through the generations passing down that good news of Christ. And Paul reminds Timothy to remind him to fan into flames this gift of God which he has received through Paul's laying on hands. In other words, his ordination. Timothy being set apart into ministry by the work of the Apostle Paul. And Paul was instructing Timothy to know it, but also to live this good news. Because this is the most important deposit one could ever make. And be reminded of the importance of the Holy Spirit within us. Because we have been given not a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and self-control. This is a wonderful, wonderful news, this good news. Because the Holy Spirit is within us to help us. And this good news is not just for us, it's to be shared. Paul says this as he's suffering in prison. In verse 8, we see what he says. So, so do not be ashamed of the testimony about the Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join me in the suffering of the gospel by the power of God. Paul has spent many of years in, the, in prison for the message of the gospel. This is not a sidelight. This is not the infomercial of the, of the day. Maybe some of you remember the infomercials. Maybe they're not as popular now. But we had in late night TV infomercials. You know, they come in for three, four minutes. And maybe the biggest infomercial guy ever was Vince the ShamWow guy. Anybody remember Vince the ShamWow guy? Well, Vince would convince you that ShamWow, these, these towels, these innovative towels, were the greatest thing the world had ever seen. And you have to have these or you're, you're, you just don't know what you're talking about. You just passion, excitement. But you know when you see them then do another product and a third product and a fourth product, you go, now does every product being a life-changing thing? Is everything so important it, it radically changes our life? I'm not so sure it's that big a deal. You wouldn't catch the Apostle Paul doing infomercials. Hey, guys, it's Apostle Paul for Herod's Hardware. Come on down. We've got the best stuff for you. And then later on, hey, it's Jerusalem Cellular. You need a new phone? We got one for you here. But Paul's life was centered on the gospel. And he stakes his life, his being, his eternity upon the gospel. He says, it'd be stupid to, do all, to endure all this if it wasn't true. To go through prison, to have people against me, oppose me, if this isn't true. But this is the glorious news of the gospel, which has radically changed my life and given me hope and meaning for today and for eternity. Jesus has brought us life, light, and eternal life through his suffering on the cross and the victorious resurrection. Jesus has done this for everyone who looks to him by faith, Paul is saying. 
And this is what Paul is experiencing, why it's so important for him that this goes on. This gospel is a supreme deposit. It is above all else. There is no greater deposit that can be made. Not in your bank account or retirement fund, but the gospel of Jesus Christ is greater than that. For God has deposited his powerful work on our behalf into this work. Jesus didn't do it because God needed it done for his self, but because you and I needed it done for us. We need someone to take away our sins, to shed his blood so that we could be forgiven and be reconciled with God, so that we could find peace, find meaning, and find eternal life. So that Jesus made that ATM deposit for you and me in God's eternal bank, secure, never to be lost, so that we have an account balance of a forgiveness of sins and eternal life. That's a message that we have, but what's seemingly lost so often in this world, where too often it's like, what, what Jesus did, well, that was nice. That was really nice. Well, let's, pass the, let's pass the hot dish and see what, what happens. What Jesus did wasn't nice. What Jesus did was life-changing, was radical, was earth-shattering. I know one person told me in the, in the church I serve, said in the church they grew up, they, they never talked about the gospel specifically. It was in the background, but they never talked about it. It just kind of faintly existed in the background. Paul urges Timothy, and he urges you and me, he urges us, that we realize the gospel and its imp, our implications for our living is to be central for us. It is to be the supreme deposit in your life and in mine. Supreme over all aspects of life. Because in Jesus, we have his person, his life, who entered in this world taking on human form, who lived among us teaching, showing us how to live. But then what? He, he died and was buried. And then on the third day, God rose him from the dead. He rose from the dead. And he promised what? That he would be here through the Holy Spirit and return to bring us home. This is Jesus' promise. This is the message of the gospel for you and me. This is not a nice thing that he did. This is tremendous work of God for you and me. This is the supreme, the highest deposit that you could ever make. Hold on to the supreme deposit. Well, not only it's the supreme deposit, but we're to be those who safeguard this deposit. For if the gospel is great, this message of the good news of Jesus is the supreme deposit in our life, then it should have tremendous value, right? So we need to guard the good deposit, this precious truth. For we can only, we only guard that which is valuable. You know, if, uh, if you won the lottery, uh, you know, lottery, uh, if you win, guess what? The state lotteries, they're pretty protective of how that's done so there's not cheating and stealing because they think it's valuable. You know, think of this. If there's a big deposit, what pulls up but brings trucks or armored trucks with guards? But where do you not find guards? What day is your garbage day? You know, my garbage day is on Wednesday. You put your garbage out often the night before. Sometimes they come early. But you know what you don't find? You don't find armed guards posted around the, uh, the trash cans, do you? You ever seen someone with a machine gun standing patrol over the garbage? No, because it's garbage. It's not important to us. We put it out to get rid of it. We don't safeguard that. We safeguard that which is valuable to us. You ever seen a dog that's a little bit protective of its food? 
and they bare their teeth. Right? They're guarding it. They said, no, this is mine. You can't have it. This is mine. They're safeguarding it. This may not be a well-trained dog, but we realize they think this is important, so they're guarding it. Well, Paul tells us we should safeguard this good news of Jesus Christ, of the gospel, that this is something we should do. We're not to be those who just think, ah, this is okay. No, we guard what's important, what's valuable to us. Armored trucks require a fee for their service. Banks require money and, and fees for us to make them work because it takes money. We guard our money at the bank. We guard our freedom through the military, which we support. We guard our safety through locks, training, and equipment to keep us safe. If you visit a landfill, do they have people checking you on the way out? No. No, because it's not important. But if you go and visit the Federal Reserve where money is stored, they have a lot of guards. When I was in high school, we visited the Federal Reserve in the Twin Cities. It's one of the 12 Federal Reserves through the United States. And we happened upon one area which they weren't expecting us to be. And I saw $40 million in cash on, on these pallets. They're moving to load and move between backs, banks. And the guards were there were extremely nervous that these high school kids were there with all this cash. Well, there's guards. Why? Because we say this money is important, so we guard it. Paul is telling us to guard the deposit. Verse 14, guard the deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives within you. We are the people who safeguard, who guard, who watch over, who protect this gospel because it's so valuable. Paul, he's leaving this world soon, and he's entrusting it to Timothy. And he's saying, don't treat it lightly. Treat this as something valuable. So safeguard it, watch over it, protect it so that it will stay strong and it will continue in people's hearts and be passed on from generation to generation. That's what Paul wants us to do with it as well. The gospel is not something that we lightly have, but this is tremendous good news of Christ that's important to us. It's private, yes, but it's to be it's personal, yes, but it's never to be private in that sense. It's personal. In other words, it's deep within us, but it's something we're to share and to, to uh, hold up with great energy and guarding so that the gospel will go forth. Too often, the world and the church can sometimes fall into the lies such as, hey, if you're happy, God's happy. The scriptures don't tell us that. The scriptures say, be holy for God is holy. We can be filled with joy. Happiness comes and goes, but we can be people of joy. We understand that Christ may be our story, but it's to be the story for everyone who would be open to the truth because this is the message that God has given to us. It's the truth of God that he planned before time and eternity, that he brought into the world through Jesus and has promised he will one day bring it to fruition. Revealed to us in Jesus, verse 10, look at what it says. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Jesus is the substance of the gospel. And God revealed it when Christ entered the world and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. In other words, we have life. We have life eternal. 
so that we never have to die eternally. All because of the good news of the gospel of what Jesus has done for us. This is what you and I are to safeguard. Why we meet together, why we read the scriptures, why we pray, why we study, why we teach it from generation to generation. Why we proclaim this good news because this is life for you and for me. Well, thirdly, it's security for the deposit. As we safeguard the deposit, if we have the supreme deposit and we safeguard the deposit, we also have security for the deposit. For we can say, well, I need help. I need help guarding it. I, do I have the talents, the skills, the abilities to do that? Well, the good news is the second part of verse 14. As Paul tells us, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit within you. All of us who put our faith and trust in Jesus receive the Holy Spirit from God. So God dwells in us through his Spirit. And that Holy Spirit helps us so that we can guard the good deposit with the Spirit of God who lives within us. It's not dependent on my own strength and power. Praise be to God that the gospel, the good news of Jesus, isn't dependent on my ability as we go forward. It's dependent on the Holy Spirit within me. So, but if I open myself commit myself to it, the Spirit of God who lives within me will do what? He will do this work, and that security for the deposit will continue on. So we'll live it and be secure in it each and every day. We need to guard the good deposit entrusted to you. A number of years ago, I went to an ATM machine, and I had my son and my niece in the car, and they wanted to get ice cream, so I had to quick get some cash, so I drove through the drive-through of the ATM, put the card in, and got the cash. And unbeknownst to me, I left my card there. I mean, probably nobody else has ever done that, but I left my ATM card there. And uh, what do I find out? When I can't find it, a couple hours later, I go back to the bank. I said, did I leave it there? And I found out someone had taken $700 out of my account, that they had gone in and they could, you know, it's a long story, but they took out 700 bucks. Because I didn't guard that well. Uh, since that time, I haven't lost my card yet. I'm a little more careful about it that time. But praise God that it isn't dependent, the gospel isn't dependent on me guarding it. It's dependent on the Holy Spirit within me. So as I open myself to the work of God, God's Spirit will work in us and we will empower us to live out this gospel message and to guard it in our hearts that we have this help to guard it out so our lives can be changed and transformed by this glorious truth, this unmatched message of Christ, that the pressures, threat, the pandemics of these days that we live will never cause us to leave, abandon, compromise, or bury the gospel, but to live it out in purity and holiness of Jesus Christ. Our desire is for God's power to be made known for others. You know, when we have a president in the office, whatever president it is, Trump, Biden, Obama, they have a security detail, right? They have people, big guys with guns and those wear dark glasses and watch over it and try to keep the president safe. Well, we are guarded in a different way. When we walk down the street, we don't have the Holy Spirit walking physically next to us like a 6'8 guy who weighs 300 pounds with broad shoulders, but we have the Holy Spirit guarding us within. It's a different sort of way of doing it, but it's a way that works fantastic because the Holy Spirit is with us 24-7, 365. Never takes a day off. He's within us so that he can work to keep us from the pressures of this world, but give us strength 
from the press of the crowd so that we can live the gospel message for our life, so that we guard this message in our hearts and our minds through his strength and his power. God ensures the gospel. It doesn't depend on us for survival. But at the same time, God works through you and me, people like us, for his message to go forward. So the question is, are we guarding the gospel we have received? For the gospel message is good news. And the gospel that comes to us, we don't ever change the gospel. The gospel, the message of Christ, is what God has revealed in the scripture once and for all. But this message changes us. The gospel message changes you and it changes me when we let it through the Holy Spirit who lives within us. And then in doing so, we guard that good deposit so we live it out and share it with each succeeding generation and proclaim that good news so others can see it. Are you living the gospel message today? Are you guarding it, proclaiming it? Do you have, the, have it empowered by the Holy Spirit within you? Does your life look like the Apostle Paul or like Timothy who are continuing on with the gospel? Even when others in our world that we come across say, wow, what do you hold on to that ancient message? That's so yesterday. But we say, no, this is the eternal truth of God. This brings life. This brings truth. This brings meaning. This is a message. This is the greatest message the world has ever heard or ever will hear. There is nothing more tremendous than the message of Jesus, of his life, death, burial, and praise God, his resurrection, his promises for us. This deposit of the good news, is it at the heart of your life? Are you proclaiming it? Are you protecting it? Are you guarding it, living it out? It's why Jesus came. It's what Paul learned and passed on to Timothy and what he wants to pass on to us as he passed on to Timothy. So what deposit are you living for? What deposit is most important in your life, most valuable to you? The gospel isn't a good thing. The gospel is the greatest thing. There's many good things in life, music, family, work, sports, vacation, travel, retirement, money, enjoyment, artistic expression, adventure, success, but only one thing is most important, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's most important. And we are to be those who guard the good deposit. Verse 14, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. It's entrusted to us. We're entrusted by God with this good message. But remember, we have the Holy Spirit. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. Are you living for the deposit of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ? Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we love you and we thank you for this work that you have done for us. Thank you that through Christ you have brought us life. This gospel, this good news for us. Help us to be those who realize that this is supreme. And that we are to be those who work to guard it. In other words, keep it safe, secure, and pure in our lives and hearts. Thank you that you've given us the Holy Spirit to help us do it. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.